2: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
5: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire for Thursday, October 7th. And who doesn't love some October baseball? Oh, postseason in full effect. What a night in Major League Baseball. The Dodgers walk it off in the bottom of the night. Just dramatic, fun, excitement. The bedlam, the chaos out here in L.A. Last night was phenomenal. No, I did not go to the game. Yes, I had some buddies who went. I opted to play soccer because, as some of you know, I'm in a dad's soccer tournament this weekend. Um, had to get in some run. If you want a funny story that's not Dodgers-related, your boy's so nervous about getting an injury because I think I told you guys I was playing pickup two weeks ago with a buddy, and he makes a move at the top of the key, goes down, and he loses the ball, and somebody picks up the ball and goes the other way. He goes, wait, wait, stop, foul, somebody kicked me. And everybody is like, oh, and he, everybody kind of knew because it was non-contact. He just lost the ball. This guy played college basketball uh, at Purdue all four years. I mean, I don't, I think he started one year, maybe one and a half years, whatever. Um, and it, it was his Achilles. So since then, I've been like extra safe doing all this stretching. And I found this, <laughs> this thing called Stretch Lab. I don't know if it's a, a chain or whatever, but You pay like uh, money for 25 bucks and you can go stretch it out. So I went and stretched before I played soccer yesterday. I'm stretching today uh, and then the tournament's this weekend. So I want to be fully, fully ready so I don't get injured. So uh, I did miss most of the game. I got home just in time. To watch the walk-off, which is pretty nice. Uh, no injuries in soccer, which was even better. But more importantly, that sets up Dodgers Giants. Uh, just a phenomenal West Coast NLDS um, series. It should be really, really excellent. Um, already hit up some friends for uh, hey, if you're going, me and uh, me and my son would definitely join you guys. <laughs> you know, pay pay whatever. Because uh, like I'm not out there hunting for tickets. Um, we did. My son and I did go to a World Series game. Uh, I think it was 28. 2017 or 2018. Um, 2017, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and that was just a great experience. Um, but it's always fun, October baseball. And listen, this is a great week for sports. Uh, coming up here shortly on the podcast, we have a guy who worked with Edward Egross, um, a Very analytical. He was pro- uh, up to preview the baseball postseason last year. He's at FanDuel. He was on a TV show with me um, called More Ways to Min- Win with Lisa Kearney. Um, Dave Weaver. And... Um, it's it's fun. He's into analytics, so he talks a lot of baseball. We recorded before the Dodgers game yesterday, and um, he'll preview uh, some of the games upcoming. He kind of likes the White Sox. That's two guys this week who came on here really vibing the Chicago White Sox. I personally, I'll give a best bet for Thursday night football at the end of the pod. But me personally, I'm not betting on baseball unless somebody tells me, hey, I got something here because. I just haven't bet all year. I'm not just going to go start flushing money for fun just to have action. Um, I feel like I'd rather put money on Thursday night football props, which I will do uh, as I do every Thursday on um, Instagram stories in a couple hours before the game. But, uh, yeah, I'll give my Thursday night best bet for Ram Seahawks. Should be a good one. Listen, it doesn't get much better than this, folks, okay? NBA preseason started this week. You had Yankees, Red Sox, excuse me, on Tuesday. You had Dodgers-Cardinals on Wednesday. You have Thursday night football and two baseball games today. You have more baseball Friday. You have college football Saturday, baseball. Then Sunday, you have an awesome slate of NFL and baseball. It's like this is just an awesome week for sports. I hope you guys are strapped in and ready. Without further ado, let's get to our guest, Edward Egros of More Ways to Win and Bally Sports.
1: TireRack.com the way tire buying should be.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
5: I know what sports fans want.
4: But for
1: everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say, I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
5: All right, let's welcome into Straight Fire. You remember him last year, previewed the baseball playoffs with us. And he's now in L.A. He has made the trek from Texas out to uh, the sunny Los Angeles. He teaches at Pepperdine. He does the FanDuel show More Ways to Win with Lisa Kearney, a show I was on. That's how I got to know Ed. And he's working for Bally Sports as well. Big time gambler, analytical guy, Edward Egros. Ed, how are you?
7: Doing well, doing well, loving yeah. life in Los Angeles. I, I wish you could have convinced me to, to come out here <laughs> sooner and, uh, you know, really, you know, put put the hammer down there because I'm having a blast.
5: Yeah, it's funny. Every single person, once you get out here within six months, you're like, damn, why did I wait so long? And I know are Ed, Ed, a lot of people were your friends in Texas being like, yeah, you don't want to go to California, all those weird, crunchy people and the Hollywood types. And did you get a lot of that? And then you get out here and you're like, yeah, this is awesome.
7: Kind of, you know, certainly the stigma was there that I had to kind of overcome. I think the bigger thing for me was the distance being so far away from everyone else. That was probably the bigger issue that that a lot of people brought up because, yeah, being in Dallas for so long, have a lot of friends there, families in Louisiana. And the big thing was, why do you want to be out there? And I think also, too, when you hear about, say, the fires or the earthquakes or things like that, that those things happen all the time. And yeah, you need to be aware of it and you need to have plans in place if something happens, but every area has a problem. You can have yeah. hurricanes in parts of the country, tornadoes, yes. you know, winter storms, things like that. California is no different as far as buffering itself from whatever problems may exist. But once you get past that part, the people have been super nice. The weather's been unbelievable. I finally have a rhythm as far as where I need yes. to be and where to go and places to eat, things to do.
5: It's yeah. Great. It's funny. My, my parents, since we got out here, have expressed interest. And they're like, oh, but the earthquakes. I'm like, listen, you're in Florida. You do know it's 100 degrees and humid for like four straight months, maybe five, mm-hmm. you know. And then, as you said, tornadoes, other places, hurricanes, like everywhere's got problems, okay? Yeah, Whether Florida it's unrest sequels. in the Pacific Northwest, wherever, um, but again, at least you could be by the beach out here. Anyways, all right, let's get to gambling. Everybody wants to know. First of all, I, uh, we're not going to talk too much uh, about my Yankees. We record this on Wednesday. They lost last night. It's over for them. I'll be rooting heavily for the Rays. If memory serves, you were a big Rays, guys, a couple years ago when they were analytically driven and made a run. Um, but we, I, I do want to talk about uh, the big games tonight. White Sox-Astros, obviously a massive one, and then Red Sox-Rays. Any leans in the series or to to, to jump off things for for game one in either one?
7: Yeah, as far as the series is concerned, I feel comfortable uh, with the dog here going with the White Sox over the Astros. One of the Mm. big factors that I look at as far as uh, predicting postseason success, because the postseason very much is different than the regular season on a variety of fronts. But one of the big factors is bullpen war, bullpen ERA, Mm. bullpen advanced stats, whatever you're looking at. That's what I care a lot about. It's one of the reasons why I backed the Rays uh, last season considerably. Turned out well for them, except uh, the little you know thing happening in Game Six, you know, that little deal. Right, right. Uh, Minor aside thing. From that, the the important thing is bullpen war matters a good bit and should be stressed as far as any kind of postseason predictor that you're putting together. Okay, wait, time out, are, yes,
5: wait, time out, time out. Why bullpen war versus starting pitching uh, at bat? You know, a slugging percentage on base. Why bullpen war? Number one.
7: Well, it's, it's up there for me because you are making many more uh, chess match kind of moves uh, in a series, and... You know, especially in today's baseball, starting pitchers are not going nearly as deep as they used to, and you're going to have starters come in in relief. You're going to have sort of your fourth or fifth guy, uh, you know, come on in various places, especially if you're getting to the deciding game, say, like the game five of, a D- of an LDS or the game seven of an LCS or a World Series, you see a lot of wacky pitching moves. And so because you're basically having an all-hands-on-deck kind of mentality, which you should, the... What happens with those relievers matters that much more than, say, expecting a starter to go six or seven, even if, say, he doesn't necessarily have his best stuff. And so reliever war is that much more important than, say, what it normally would be in the regular season. It's why I backed the Rays uh, last year. I still think the Rays are going to be pretty good this Mm go-round. But another team I like, it's the Chicago White Sox. When you look at Fangraph's war, the Rays, I think, are first at 7.9 wins above replacement. White Sox are at 7.8, just a tenth of a win behind Hmm. them. Uh, And that's in large part because of Liam Hendricks, uh, more than 14 Ks per nine innings pitched. Not an overpowering fastball by him, uh, but the placement for him is amazing. They also picked up uh, Craig Kimbrell for relief work, not necessarily as the big closer for them, but that matters a good bit. Uh, You know, Hendricks' second best expected WOBA of any pitcher in baseball, just behind Jacob deGrom. That bullpen is absolutely stout and it's going to matter a good bit, especially against a scary offensive lineup uh, as far as the Astros are concerned. I think the White Sox can pull this off.
5: Now, you said Woba. Uh, I confess mm-hmm. to not knowing what that is. And I will say this there's a lot of new gamblers who listen to this pod. Um, mm-hmm. EPA and the NFL is one I don't dive into much, but I'm starting to hear. I heard it some last year and now I'm hearing it a lot this year. But mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, like WOBA, can you tell the audience what that is or where they should seek it out?
7: Yeah, absolutely. So WOBA is, think about it like slugging percentage. So, you know, we'll we'll start there. Slugging percentage, uh, a single is worth one, a double is worth two, triples worth three, home runs worth four, and then you divide it by the total number of at-bats. WOBA says, okay, maybe a double isn't worth quite two. Maybe a triple isn't quite worth three because sometimes you don't score, or maybe there are ballpark factors that matter, or, you know, the pitching you go up against, or or there are league factors as far as uh, a league that is more offensively driven or more pitcher friendly, whatever it is. Woba says, okay, we tweak those coefficients uh, slightly, what you multiply a double by, which multiply a home run by, and then you get a truer representation of overall offensive success. So it's just a little more precise than, say, slugging percentage.
5: Mm, wow, that's deep.
7: Yeah, and, and what I do is I take it one step further and I say, okay, WOBA's great, but I also want something that's more predictive, that's going to tell me, you know, that next step. Okay, you may have a good WOBA, but are you going to have a good WOBA tomorrow? Are you going to have a good one for the postseason next year, whatever it is? And when you take a look at sort of those physical elements like exit velocity, launch angle, sprint speed, those kinds of things, and you bake that into, say, probabilities of getting a double, triple home run, whatever it is, then you get expected WOBA. Mm -hmm. And that tends to be more predictive than, say, your basic box score stats that you uh, finagle a little bit here and there.
5: Yeah. And and predictive is the key word to all of this, because. Like like you said, like anybody can break down a box score and look at the numbers, but what which ones of them are predictive? Is there anything in the NL on the predictive side? Obviously, the uh, White Sox, uh, you seem to like a lot. What about in the NL? Anything on Braves-Brewers?
7: Braves and Brewers is interesting because when you look at the Brewers, you know, we talked, uh, you know, I know baseball's talked a good bit about sort of this hot streak that the Cardinals uh, went on going into, Uh, the postseason, but when you look at the time frame of, say, since June 1st, it's the Brewers who have had the best record. So the question is, okay, what's your time window that you care about in terms of streakiness? Do you care about a team that won a bunch of games late in the year, or do you want a team with a better overall record than everyone else after some sort of key cutoff date? June 1st might make the most sense, and so why not go with the Brewers there? Starting rotation – Really, really strong. No doubt about that. The hitting is a big question mark. You know, Corbin Burns, uh, you know, starting pitcher for the Brewers, unbelievable. One of the top performances, uh, you know, this season. Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, all great. The hitting is going to be a big question mark for the Brewers. I think they can manage that as far as one series is concerned. It's not what I'm not necessarily comfortable with them as a pennant champ because Mm. I need more hitting. I I need to see more Woba out of the hitters, so to speak. (laughs) I really have it. it. Yeah, but at the same time, the the pitching is enough for me to feel comfortable that, yeah, they can at least take one series.
1: You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on-and-off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin
3: I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets.
4: The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all
3: or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
5: All right, so now, obviously, baseball has been a big one for you. But you also do, obviously, NFL and college football. We'll get to NFL in a minute. But, Ed, I need to ask about the biggest college football game this weekend. No, not Iowa-Penn State. That's obviously big. But Texas-Oklahoma, being a Texas guy. I will confess, I have uh, I won on Texas earlier this year, and then like an idiot, I had them against Arkansas. Did not end well. And Oklahoma, w- one of the craziest stats, Ed, they're 0-4 against the spread against mm-hmm. FBS opponents. I- I- how do you handicap, uh, what are they calling it these days, the Red River shootout, the rivalry? What- what- what's the terminology?
7: I-, I think it's now the showdown. Showdown. Uh, I- okay, got it. Yes. <laughs> Oh, no, I I keep forgetting every year, and then they change it, and then if you don't change with it, then someone will call you and get you from the Cotton Bowl. No, it's interesting because when you look at Oklahoma's offense, uh, you mentioned EPA uh, briefly. Well, Oklahoma's offensive EPA per play is 25th in America. 25th isn't bad, but when you look at the expectations for Spencer Rattler coming in with Heisman expectations being the favorite there in the market, 25th isn't good enough no and we've played enough of a season to conclude that okay spencer rattler's not a bad quarterback but is he an elite if not Mm. phenomenal quarterback i don't know if we can say that yet uh defensively oklahoma's had some question marks to where they're getting into closer games than perhaps they should it's one of the reasons why yeah can they beat texas sure i'm not necessarily concerned about that but are you backing oklahoma the rest of the way I, I certainly wouldn't at this point. Right. And if they wound if they wind up winning the Big Twelve, that may be more an indictment on the state of the conference than it is say anything else because this is not Oklahoma's best shot to go yeah. after a national championship at least not yet. Now, as far as this particular game is concerned, the way I'm betting it is taking the under, and mm. this is not something I've necessarily researched very much. Uh, you know, over the course of the Red River Showdown rivalry, something or other, <laughs> but. What I have done and what I have noticed, though, is that there's always at least one, if not both teams, coming in with a phenomenal offense or at least a highly touted offense. Oklahoma's had it for a few years. Texas has had it in spurts. It's always been there and it's always led to a high total. And it's always seemed to me like it underperforms as far as that's concerned. And especially with the state of this game, I am more comfortable taking the under because I think what Texas wants to do is run the football a lot. Uh, with Robinson, the running back.
5: That's all I they can do. Feel- <laughs> yeah.
7: yeah, exactly. That is all they can do. But you know yeah. what? They can win games that way. Yes. And they probably want to keep the ball out of Spencer Rattler's hands enough. And so by limiting the number of possessions, you're probably not going to see as many points. I'm more comfortable with the under.
5: Yeah, it feels like the under's probably smarter because this could be the game Oklahoma pops. I know it's like you're sitting there waiting and it's not like you're sitting – at the uh, at the uh, table in Vegas, just waiting for uh, in the roulette wheel to land on zero. You know, it's not quite like that, but eventually Oklahoma is going to put some put some numbers on the board. Right. I thought it was against West Virginia. And geez, it was just such a bad performance. I wonder, Ed, do you think any of this NIL stuff is starting to wear on some of the players? Some of the big stars, Spencer Rattler apparently got a ton of money. Haven't totally performed yet, and it's still early, what do we have five, six weeks in the, in the books. Do you think that is a factor at all in what's going on with Oklahoma, or are just defenses catching up to Lincoln Riley's offense?
7: I don't necessarily know if defenses are catching up. I just think that you know something isn't clicking for whatever reason. Um, you know whatever that is, I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but the defenses have been exploitable up to this point, and there have been a couple of instances where they have. Uh, but sometimes it's also a matter of having long fields, not necessarily getting defensive turnovers, those kinds of things. And eventually just not scoring as many points that can happen. But as far as the NIL stuff, one thing that about that dynamic I think concerns me is not so much say like what the stars do. I think they make their money and they keep their heads down and then they do well. And I, I think that's fine. I do wonder though, given how much hullabaloo there is, if there are certain people who have expectations that they were going to make a lot more than they really are. Mm. And so it's sort of that mid tier where you're coming in and thinking, Oh, I'm going to be making, you know, five figures, maybe close to six figures. And then you're not. And sponsorships aren't exactly rolling in or if they are, they're offering you a couple of bucks here and there. I got to think that that disappointment might affect quality of play, maybe a little bit of self-confidence but that's not necessarily something I'm expecting from the star players, the guys that we're going to be talking about on a regular basis. It's that mid-tier that maybe I have more concerns about as far as the NIL issue is concerned. But, you know, does, some, does money change somebody? Well, fame can change people. Money can change people, sure. But I also believe in the infrastructures of certain college football programs like in Alabama, like in Oklahoma, to where they're able to keep you know, their star players level-headed and it doesn't become that big of a deal.
5: Also props for using the word Hullabaloo. Is it Hullabaloo or Hullaboo? Hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. Well done. Yeah.
7: I think hullabaloo. that's the first time it's yes. ever been said
5: on the spot. I was I just in my <laughs> brain clicked. Um, all right. So let's go. Do you have anything on Iowa Penn state? Because it feels like everybody's trying to outthink the room last week. Mm-hmm. I was on the outthink the room with, Hey, Wisconsin, Michigan, I got to go with Wisconsin here. There's no way they're that bad. Michigan sings blah, blah, blah. Michigan wins by mm-hmm. like 30. Um, It kind of feels like people are saying, hey, Penn State's got to be the side here. Iowa's kind of fraudulent. I know the defense is good, but the offense, come on. Anything on this one?
7: Well, it's hard because the defense has been so good. Special teams have been really good for Iowa as well to where the offense has had just short fields. And it doesn't mean that the offense is fraudulent. It just means we don't know. So, okay, big question mark. Fine. Do you trust this defense to continue playing as well as it has? I probably would at this point. Special Mm -hmm. teams, which is even more volatile. Sure, why not? Enough things there. And not to mention, too, Iowa's at home. And normally home field advantage doesn't matter to me very much. But especially when you're dealing with a tight spread of one and a half that moved down from two and a half, that may be as simple as figuring out how many points a home field advantage is worth in today's college football. You can figure that out you may be able to, to win this bet just by you know, coming up with that particular number. And yeah. to me, I think home field advantage does matter a good bit in this one, especially given how well Iowa State has started out of the gate, going up against Penn State, having Big Ten aspirations. Ohio State already lost a game. Uh, yeah, it was non-conference, but at least you have a little confidence and it keeps the fans generated. Uh, and energetic. So yeah, why not take Iowa here? Yeah,
5: uh, Penn State um, did look well, good uh, in the opener at Wisconsin, but as we've seen, like Wisconsin's not a good football team. Um, all right, let's get to the NFL. Edward, do you, uh, Yeah, first of all, how was the season gone? And now it used to be that after week four, we're at the quarter mark. We can assess. I don't know if we could throw out priors of last season yet, but we have four weeks mm-hmm. worth of data. Will, will anything jump out at the page uh, uh, to you from a gambling perspective through four weeks, whether it's road dogs, the dregs of the league being really, really bad. Last week, I think we had five underdogs win outright. Uh, anything jump out first before we get to the actual week five games?
7: Certainly. I, one big storyline to me is I, I love the Aaron Rodgers narrative because mm. it's the ultimate example of not uh, listening to the chatter and <laughs> uh, not turning this into say like a you know a gossip contest. Uh, what matters a good bit more you know the overall quality the talent coming in and making sure they can play up to stuff and yeah terrible terrible first game uh for the packers but they they picked up and they've been covering and they've been doing really well since then and i for the most part expect that to continue mm. yeah Aaron Rodgers is going to slip up and have a you know and have a clunker every now and again but you know all, all the outspoken talk and is he going to stay there those kinds of things at the end of the day it's football and he's not going to tarnish his own legacy and you know prevent himself from future opportunities by tanking games or not playing as hard as he can or throwing picks or whatever it is it, it was fascinating to me after week one hearing all of these conspiracy theories and then him going out there and doing what he normally does and then continuing to do so to where it still felt like the market hadn't caught up uh, to his overall true abilities And I think there are a lot of examples of that where, you know, say like the rookie quarterbacks, for instance, they were historically bad coming out of the gate. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, et cetera. Then in week four, they all got better all at the same time. And you know what? That's normal. You're not going to have an entire class of rookies be that bad for that long. At some point, they're going to start figuring it out. Now, you know, what happens on the outside? That's a different matter. But. Now we can finally start to look at this objectively and not try and find these random intangible storylines to affect what are sharp numbers to begin with.
5: That's good. Uh, Can I toss out a, what are your, what's your take on the narrative building in Jacksonville? Urban's lost (laughs) the locker room. Maybe they fire him. Is he committed? He didn't ride the plane back to Jacksonville. (laughs) Everybody's freaking out. Listen, I'm not getting into it, but like, has any head coach ever been in their hometown where they spent many, many years and have businesses uh, and family and said, you know what? I'm going to stay here as opposed to fly home. Like, I don't know if that has ever been an option before, but at any rate Jags narrative Tennessee this week and based on basically the season on the line.
7: Well, the funny thing is they could fire urban Meyer in the next few minutes and they'd still be in a good position to win that division.
5: Yeah. Yes. You know, I love it. Right.
7: Yeah. The, the Titans look, I I get there are questions at wide receiver, you know, and especially with injuries to the two key ones. Yeah. That's going to affect things, but Ryan Tannehill was pretty turnover prone to begin with. Uh, You look at his numbers last year. Yeah. He was able to escape, uh, you know, a lot of clunkers, you know, by not having, you know, turnover worthy throws turn into interceptions and the play action game was always good to him. Now, all of a sudden it's not, but again, the advancement advanced metrics were pointing to this that at some point things were going to fall back down to reality. And that's exactly what's happened to the Titans. And look, I love the running game. I think Derrick Henry's phenomenal. One of the great running backs we've ever seen, but you cannot consistently win football Mm -hmm. games, even if he's, you know, rushing for 120 a game, you you just can't do it. You got to compliment the rushing attack. And at this point, they're just unable to do such things. So knowing this and then knowing the disaster that's going on in Houston and in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. with, you know, its own quarterback issues. Yeah, Jacksonville could make a change at head coach and still be in contention for this division. Don't let whatever concerns you have about divisional standings affect what you should do as far as the right thing is concerned at your head coaching spot.
5: Yeah, it looks like the line for Tennessee Jacksonville is four at some of the perceived sharper shops, four and a half at some of the other ones. Um, I I mean, do you think professionals will come in on Jacksonville here? The big money bets?
7: It's possible. It's yeah. certainly possible. Um, I, I probably would have liked to have seen a little bit more, uh, you know, from Trevor Lawrence, even though he, he certainly did a good bid in week four I and mean, he had one of the higher QBR totals, uh, you know, from the past week, which is great. But, and also too, like this Tennessee defense hasn't stopped very much up to this point. Yeah, and so this may be much. another opportunity for Trevor Lawrence to stay, take a step forward, wide receiver, great in Jacksonville. Lawrence has weapons probably want a little bit more out of the running back spot, but at the same time, you have enough there. The infrastructure is enough to feel comfortable. Now, part of the problem with me and and say like what Urban Meyer has shown through four weeks, I mean, you remember that stuff, sort of that zone read that Trevor Lawrence had in the Thursday night game. You know, those are the kinds of things that kind of scratch your head as far as, okay, we need to see the innovative mind of Urban Meyer. And sometimes we don't. Is it because you're not comfortable with Trevor Lawrence yet? And you're trying to take that next step forward. Does your game not translate to the NFL? I don't know, but well, I, the, the, I think the, as far <laughs> as play design is concerned, but here is an opportunity, uh, you know, with an end divisional game to possibly get something close and maybe pull off an upset
5: win. Brian Schottenheimer, I believe is the OC in Jacksonville. And everybody who knows the jets, my team <laughs> knows that he is a nightmare and even Seattle Seahawks fans know that as well. Uh, anything on game of the year, Ed, we'll wrap up with uh, first Buffalo KC. Casey, I, my inclination here is to take KC if it's under a field goal at home. Um, I, I'm sure I, I'm not really a trend better, but I'm sure you've seen the numbers teams that shut a team out one week and then come back the next week. There's some usually some regression. And I think at some point the Chiefs defense has to improve. Right. Uh, again, I'm not waiting for it, but it's better than it has been. Right. As soon as Frank Frank Clark returns.
7: Certainly. Uh, but, you know, when you're evaluating defense, what matters a good bit more is who you play, not necessarily yeah. the overall defensive ability. And, you know, I think, the, you know, the Sunday night game against the Ravens was a great example of that. I mean, the Chiefs had, you know, a lot of turnovers, takeaways sort of fall in their laps, uh, you know, with Tyron Matthew. Uh, and and still it wasn't enough. Um, and so I look at this and go, Josh Allen is playing really, really well. Uh, yeah, clunker out of the gate, but he's – doing a lot of great things. Chiefs, Pat Mahomes, you know, maybe he's slightly regressing than, say, you know, the phenomenal, you know, last couple of seasons, but Tyreek Hill is spectacular. Travis Kelsey is still uh, arguably the, the best tight end in the game right now. This does seem to me like a shootout. Who will you know, basically last score wins, maybe this kind of game. I'm super excited about it. Far more excited about this game than say the last Sunday night game. Yeah, But <laughs> it, this may be a kind of coaching matchup where you're trying to time it to where you have the ball last and who do you trust mo- more as far as the coaching matchup is concerned. Wow. That's a really tough one for me. Uh, much as I love and respect Andy Reed and what he's been able to do uh, you know, is he going to be out coaching a game like this? I think that's a fair question to ask. Wow. I don't know if it's true. Wow. But, well, it, that's just I didn't see though. that I mean, coming. Like Buffalo's infrastructure is amazing in terms it of pre-step yeah. motion, play action, those kinds of things. And, you know, uh, this may be coach 1A and 1B as far as your power rankings are concerned. And so, you know, I don't feel like I'm dogging on anybody. I mean, th- this is going to be one of the great quarterback coaching matchups that we're going to see all season long yeah. i just um, you, you know yeah. you, you,
5: you look at the quarterbacks buffalo's face right so ben roethlisberger in the opener we know he's not good he's washed uh davis mills last week jacoby Brissett in the shutout of miami and the other quarterback was uh taylor heineke and you yeah, put yep. all those guys together and they are probably all like bottom 10, bottom 12 quarterbacks in the league right now. And now you're facing basically number one in Mahomes. Yep. I just, I wonder about that Buffalo defense. I, I would look at Casey or nothing there. Personally.
7: I, I think that's fair. Um, You know, again, it, it, this does just sort of feel like a back and forth. I mean, if I'm going to play the game, I'd probably take the over. over I, yes. I think both offenses will shine here. That's, that's probably my play here. Cause again, it, it feels like last score wins. Mm-hmm. However that occurs, uh, you know, is there one coach you necessarily trust to, time it to where you have the ball last is that Andy Reid I I don't know I I, mm-hmm. I have some real questions about that oh. in part because the, the fourth down decision making for Andy Reid has always been a question for me they don't go for it as often and it's surprising because you have Pat Mahomes and Tyree Hill and Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey you've got this phenomenal you know offense some of the great playmakers we've ever seen and you still opt for field goals more often than you should and I look at those things and sort of question, you know, the whole thing, so to speak. Knowing you're going to be in a shootout, are you going to time it out and you know have defensive plays ready to go to where you're going to have the ball last, score, and then have no time for the other offense to score again? That's the right, question. Who uh, do you trust more in that
5: spot? Yeah, uh, it's a fair question. Um, Buffalo's still got to prove it, uh, but the uh, let's just say the audience says, Ed, hey give you a thousand dollars. You have to take a side in any game this week. That's the only bet you're going to make one side this week in the NFL. Where are you putting that money?
7: Oh boy. One sure, one toughest
5: side. Crack sides are of course, tough The totals. Maybe you can find a larger edge. There's been some movement on the totals, but the sides are difficult. Where would you look this week?
7: Hmm. And this is where I have to sort of, remind myself what's going on and who's doing what.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I got the lines in front of me, if you want, uh, if you have any questions. I
7: I have them here too. Okay. okay. So, you know, the the saints minus two and a half is interesting to me because while Taylor Heineke has impressed me, Washington's defense has not Mm -hmm. in large part because they have not been able to generate a lot of negative EV through the blitz. And you would expect, you know, a defensive line with that much talent uh, to be able to send an extra rusher and then, you know, completely wreak havoc. And it really hasn't happened yet. Uh, past defense in terms of EPA, last I checked is uh, bottom half of the league. Not positive. I had to double check that. But especially going up against James Winston and Sean Payton, I feel like this could be a good bounce back game. Mm. Uh, for the saints on the road. I'm I, that's probably the one where I'm most comfortable. Interesting. If there is another one that I, I feel, you know, I am also curious as far as like the quarterback situation in Denver. Uh, what can we see with Teddy Bridgewater? Is he going to be healthy enough? Oh. Because there is a significant drop off. Yeah. Bridgewater's great. I, I think he really is great. And especially with the receivers he has, Denver is a scary team to me, but the drop off between he and drew luck is substantial and it's substantial enough to where if I somehow know that it's going to be drew lock playing that game or someone else, mm-hmm. then I'm backing the Steelers.
5: Yeah. I don't, I, I, it's tough to bet on the Steelers right now because they're so bad, but drew lock is even worse. Uh, <laughs> all right. He yeah. is uh, Edward Egross. He uh, you can find his stuff. I mean, he's teaching at Pepperdine, which is pretty cool. What's the class by the way,
7: intro to stats. Wow.
5: Um, yeah that's ass. pretty cool and Pepperdine of course located in uh, gorgeous Malibu uh, you can still watch him on uh, more ways to win um, he's working for Bally Sports doing gambling basically he's everywhere Ed thanks a lot for the time and uh, good luck this weekend
7: thank you appreciate it all
4: right the only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game is making money while you do it here's your best
5: bet Good stuff from Ed. Very smart individual. And we didn't really talk about Rams, Seahawks, but I want to give out my best bet for Thursday Night Football. Now listen, you guys, any gambler know there's a thing called regression. You run hot, you run cold, that's life. Nobody can hit it 80% the full season. It just doesn't happen. You could talk about it in Two for the Money with McConaughey and Pacino. That's fun to talk about and act, but the reality is that don't happen. And the fewer games you bet – the better chances you will have because you'll look for only where you find an edge instead of just tossing your money around because you have a feeling. I personally earlier in the week bet Rams minus one and a half, but it had juice. It was at minus one nineteen, so it was it was like one hundred nineteen bucks to one hundred. Um, it's up to two, and then you're some two and a halves out there. Um, I'll talk you through my logic. Um, I just, I'm not a believer in this Seattle defense. I know they shut down Trey Lance. I get it. Guess what? Trey Lance was not prepared for this. And he's, frankly, he's not a good quarterback. Uh, I'm just, I I really am not feeling uh, Trey Lance, at at least yet, as a quarterback. I look at the Seattle defense and they got shredded by Ryan Tannehill, who put it on him in the second half in overtime, 6.4 yards per play. And Kirk Cousins moved the ball at will against them in the second half. And if you kind of play keep away, either with running the ball, which uh, Derek Henry did, and which Dalvin Cook, uh, I'm sorry, Alexander Madison did, uh, you could keep the ball away from Russell Wilson. And that was what they were able to do. And Seattle did nothing in the second half in both those games. And if the 49ers don't vomit all over themselves, fumbling the uh, the kickoff when it was, I think, 7-7, um, maybe that... That doesn't flip like that. Obviously, you toss in the Jimmy Garoppolo injury uh, and, and San Francisco never really had a chance. But this is just an overrated Seattle team. They're living on borrowed time with this legion of boom. They're long gone. The home field advantage in Seattle isn't much. Uh, and um, I just want you to look at the last few matchups between McVay and Pete Carroll. Uh, the defense has dominated from the Rams. In the last four meetings with Seattle, they've sacked Russell Wilson 21 times. 5-5-5-6. Five, 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 he holds the ball long because they confuse him. They're not going to get beat deep. They play the two high safeties. And there isn't a fear, a concern of anybody consistently beating you underneath. And that's what the Rams do. They did it to Tampa Bay. We will uh, we'll let you run the football. Go ahead. Go ahead, Carson. Whatever you want. We will uh, let you catch the six, seven, eight-yard passes. But we're not letting you beat us deep. We're not giving up the splash play to lock it for 50. We're not giving up Metcalf for 75. And then offensively, the Rams move the ball at will because the Seattle defense stinks. So give me Matt Stafford coming off a loss, winning in Seattle. And again, home field advantage, we talked about it. I forget who was on here. It was either Baker a couple weeks ago, maybe Rufus Peabody. But the idea of home field advantage, is just it just doesn't really mean what it used to. And give me the uh, Rams going into Seattle and Matt Stafford. I know he wasn't great. Last week against Arizona, uh, by the way, Arizona has a better defense in Seattle. Arizona has better players, although Arizona is beat up. I don't want anybody to freak out, but go look at the Arizona Cardinals injury report uh, from Wednesday. They are missing a ton of guys. Now it's Wednesday, okay? Maybe they need a rest. This is a tough, uh, very tough game. Massive game against the Rams that they just took the down. Um, they're now the baby, basically the best team in football. They're marked men. Um, so maybe Arizona's resting up. But this NFC West is just such a gauntlet. I, I, I like the Rams to bounce back and beat the Seahawks. Feels to me like a 23-20, 27-23, 20, something along those lines. I would like it up to three, uh, but at three, you've kind of, I mean, I guess I would like it at two and a half at the max, but at three, you got to take Seattle, right? A home dog in the division, getting a field goal. You got to take that. So that's why I got one and a half. I would take two and a half, but at three, you probably got to look at Seattle. Either way, it should be a good game. Enjoy the baseball. Enjoy Thursday night football. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.
1: Ready, set, griddle this grilling season. Get the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle with a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge. It reaches up to 500 degrees. The Weber Works Prep cook and store system. Keeps cooking supplies handy, and you can carry all the food, condiments, and utensils you need. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate Rust res-
2: When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call
6: 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
3: I'm Viosa And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast.
2: Welcome to Locatora Radio, Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. This season...